like your lashes. <sighs> Thank you. <laughs> They're cute. Uh, They're so I was so going to ask, like, do they, does it burn getting them put on? Um, it depends on how they tape. So, because they have to tape the bottom lashes down while they do it. And your eyes are closed the entire time. But sometimes the tape, and you can tell them and they'll readjust where the tape's at. But sometimes the tape will be in a certain spot that kind of like dries out your eyes a little bit. But otherwise, your eyes are closed the entire time. Do you ever forget that there's tape there and try to open your eyes? The first couple times I ever did it, yeah, I tried to open my eyes the entire time. And they're like, keep it close, keep it close, keep it close. <laughs> but it wasn't, it's not bad at all. Like, it's weird. And it doesn't, so it doesn't ruin your lashes. I was going to tell you that. It doesn't ruin your lashes because your lashes grow back in cycles. Oh, and so they grow and they fall out and they grow and they fall out and they grow and they fall out. And everyone has... Hmm. And it's like three or four weeks that your lashes are in a cycle. Some are yeah. faster and some are longer, but. Um, Interesting. So like your lashes grow back <laughs> and and there may be situations where they don't, depending on like medications you're taking or something like that can affect how mm. your lashes grow back from what I've learned that's fascinating. Yeah. It was super weird. I was like, I've never known yeah. so much about eyelashes before. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's really like, weird. about eyebrows. Like, why does that grow so freaking fast? Yeah. Can you just like get them gone? Cause like, I hate eyebrows. Yeah. Um, mostly because I don't know how to do it. And I make it I up just, every time. I just fill in because yeah. they're I, my natural I shape. I don't, I don't yeah. pluck very often unless it's in the middle. Same. Really? I yeah. haven't even been looking at the middle shit. <laughs> Mine's very fuzzy. I have a very fuzzy unibrow. You know, now that I'm touching it, I do have fuzz there. Yeah, now you're never going to not see it. Sorry. Well, I just, I purposely don't look too close at my face. Or <laughs> I, know. I see like all my pores <laughs> and I see like all the blemishes. I know. Like, I got age spots you. over here, dude. Age spots. What are age spots? Uh, it's like something to do with like your skin. Yeah, I just know that you get them when you get older, and that's what I got. You know, I've started getting in the last couple years those red like spots. Yeah, like they look Mm -hmm. like 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 blood spots. You know, like blood splatter. What are those red things? Droplet. Yeah, I'm. It's a mystery, and I'm here thinking like my blood's trying to come out. (laughs) Hey, you know who would know? You know who would know? Who? One of our Patreon members, Bree. She worked in a dermatology clinic. Let's she ask could her. Probably, yeah. Hey, Bree. If you're us. listening, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let us know what what's the deal with spots. <laughs> yeah, tell us about the spots, like these age spots, the red red spots, speckle, my blood splatter spots, and there's. And there's like, like I get skin tags, like a freaking old lady. Yeah. Hey, but you know what? (laughs) What? Welcome everybody to episode 37. (laughs) Welcome to episode 37. We are, this is, this is going to be a podcast. (laughs) 
case you're expecting anything else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you're here for not a podcast episode, then you have come to the wrong place. Then we'd like to invite you to leave now because you no, have stay. entered the wrong place. Stay. Or, yeah, stay. Have a seat. Experience. We welcome strangers. <laughs> uh, hold on. Wait. We have some apologies to dish out. Oh, let me start. Um, <laughs> okay, then I'll go next. <laughs> okay. So I, we got a comment on our Instagram of our last episode, episode 36, um, about the Stannis family tragedy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to say, and I don't remember the follower that said it, but, well, or just brought it to my attention, but I hope I didn't imply that like what the mom did was okay because she had mental illness it's not okay it's never okay but right my point I guess I should say was like it is a tragedy all around the mom's Mm -hmm. mental health what she did in her mental psychosis um not that it's okay but it's a tragedy that it happened um like you know and and it's awful and it's terrible terrible for a mother or father to murder their children it's awful and never okay my I guess what I was trying to understand with that story was like as a mom being a mom is hard hard and as you know you know I don't deal with a mental illness in that level and I can imagine how much harder that would make it. And so, yeah, it's just, it's never okay. It's never going to be, like, I, I didn't want to imply that I thought it was an excuse. Because there is no excuse for that type of violence towards anybody. So, yeah. I want to apologize if I implied that. <laughs> uh, definitely yeah, it, not. it's hard. It's hard sometimes defining that line between having empathy and sympathy, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes, like, our comments were um, taken one way or the other. Right. And I hope it was more, it was more for empathy than sympathy because right. that's what it was. It's just like, dang, you know, like, How you wish awful. you can go back and help yeah. or go back and change. But, like, it, what happened happened and there's really mm-hmm. no excuse. It's just, it just yeah. sucks. And the whole thing is, like, they did everything they thought they could and with what information they had. Like, she was mm-hmm. getting help and her husband tried to get her, like, you know, help, extra help. And who would have and... ever thought that that was going to happen? Yeah, he couldn't have expected that to happen, you know? And, like, in such a brutal way either. Like, it's just, it, it was yeah. just a tragedy. Like, it really all around is a horrible, horrible tragedy. And I hope we can just be more aware of mental illness and the effect it can have on families either through parents or the children's mental illnesses it's just just know that people are dealing with shit and like try to be empathetic and helpful in the best way you can but yeah that's more where we were coming from not that we thought it was an excuse by any means so right exactly well said good job my turn Okay. Um, <laughs> what was my apology for? Oh. Um, <laughs> okay. So my our parents are LDS, actively LDS, and we saw them the Sunday after I think it was that the episode aired. 
or the day that it aired. I don't remember. When did we? I was like, oh, when what did we happened? <laughs> I was there. I don't remember. Anyway, you know. it came out. And so it was just on my mind. And, you know, it was a very Mormon heavy topic. So I was like, hey, dad and mom, <laughs> isn't this interesting? So I just like blabbed and we uh, talked. <laughs> but she didn't bring her forth. PowerPoint, though. <laughs> yeah, I didn't bring my PowerPoint. Um, so I guess the correction that I need to make is that if you were watching the video portion of the episode on one of the slides, uh, I said that the pictures that I chose were of an endowment room. And it turns out those are actually the ceiling rooms. Yeah. Right, April. I mean, you couldn't have known. We've never been in the temple. So right. that was the correction I was given. So if there's any other corrections, let me know and I'll air that out. But sorry if that mm. upset anybody. <laughs> I don't if know. That's the thing that upset you over all the other things that we're talking <laughs> I, about. I, like, right. Way to be selectively offended. <laughs> so. Right. Guess what? <clears throat> Today is the 10 year anniversary of me adopting Cooper. Is it really? <laughs> yes. Oh. oh my gosh I saw my memories and I was like oh I remember that day the best day of my life just kidding <laughs> <laughs> your firstborn <laughs> my firstborn child uh <laughs> birthed in <laughs> a puppy farm just kidding that's horrible I mean but kind of but it was <laughs> what city let's out them uh let's see I mean thank them for innocent <laughs> Gunnison, <laughs> I think. Gunnison, Utah. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't condone puppy farms, but I was 20, 19. I was 19 years old. Yeah. And I saw this puppy on KSL and it was a cockapoo. And I'm like, I don't even know what that is. But he was so cute. <laughs> and he's so cute. Oh my gosh, his face. He still and is. He had the, oh my gosh. He had green eyes and mm-hmm. it, it was just the cutest freaking thing and a stupid cute face. <laughs> and I what had color to have are his eyes now brown, just normal oh. dog brown eyes, but they, they were changed. I don't know. They're green. They were green. Wow. And they now fooled they're... you. They catfished you. They Literally. catfished like me. The dog contacts. <laughs> they look like dye <laughs> in his eyeball. Yeah. Um, yep. Oh my gosh, so cute though. Let me, I just want to show you my favorite picture of him because it's just the sweetest oh, thing. Should... Oh, he's and he has so green eyes. Cute. He's the cutest freaking thing I've ever seen. He and he still so has cute. those light brown eyebrows, and I love it. You should go get him and show us what he looks like now. Okay, I'll go get him. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> Here he is, everybody. It's Cooper. It's Cooper. Oh, look, look at him. him. He's so cute. He's so Billy's cute. getting jealous that I'm talking to some other dog. Wait up. Billy's like, I'm cute too. See? Oh, Billy, look at him. Billy. Can you hear me? Oh, no. Oh, what a He's sweet so dog. And then this is Gumby. <laughs> <laughs> look at his face. <laughs> he is really jealous I didn't ask him to come up and on my lap. He's like, he's, aren't you going to introduce me? He's big. Oh, but I got to tell a story. This whole thing is going to be so stupid. Okay. Well, I have a short story, so we can just fill it up with nonsense. Um, yeah. So, 
Saturday, I freaking spent my entire day. I was like, you know what? I have an itch in my butt and I'm going to do something today. I are <clears throat> so we refinished our basement in the summer, right? But we skipped oh, yeah. the hallway. The hallway was just full of like construction stuff, like our leftover things from our flooring, our like just random, random shit. So I was going to finish the hallway and I was like, I'm going to do this. And Josh wasn't feeling great. He had like a cough. <laughs> so he was man sick. He had a man cold. <laughs> and he's like, I don't want to do anything today. And I was like, well, I have like all this energy and I need to like do something productive that's not cleaning. So let's do something else. So, right. so I tore apart my hallway and then I started laying down the flooring because I kind of figured out how to do it with Josh when we did our main room, right? So right. I uh, started laying it down. I used our power tools like the table saw and the chop saw. And I freaking cut the shit out of those things. And I laid them down in the right way. I'll measure it up. And then wow. I was like, I'm so proud of myself. I like freaking had 700 calories burned from walking up and down those stupid stairs and mm-hmm. I worked hard yeah. and I did it by myself like I yeah. was so proud and then the next morning Josh goes to do laundry <clears throat> as the lot la- like the washer is like draining our drain Josh is watching our drain in our laundry room just bubble up and keep flooding and it keeps going up and it keeps going up and so our laundry room and our hallway that I just freaking laid the flooring down yeah. floods. So I went to go buy a new dresser. I, uh, yeah. So I spent six hours on an Ikea dresser and just felt my feelings. Cause I was really upset that all the work I did had to be undone because Josh had to undo the flooring and he like dried them out, wiped them down and sanitized them because the water that came up was like super gross. And then Josh's friend Adam came over and helped us like snake the pipes and everything. But so far since we snaked it and stuff and cleaned everything up, it's working, but we're, we haven't put back together the hallway yet. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to make Josh do it. Yeah. (laughs) Damn. That sucks. I know it does suck. So what sucks in your life? (laughs) um the snow maybe I just feel like I've been aging man like got bags under my eyes I am insecure about my eyelashes (laughs) (laughs) I have spots (laughs) like the hell yeah man that's all 30 sneaking up on you it is I feel it yeah I feel it I'm not even I'm not even you're closer than I am I know that's why I got fake eyelashes. Uh, that's why I just, I don't know, there's spots on me too, but they're bloody looking. So. That's why I'm never naked. That's not on my face. Like, I don't know this thing. I can walk out of a crime scene. Yeah, I want to hear your story. Okay. So this is a short story, but an important story. Uh, okay. So... Elizabeth Salgado was born in Mexico on November 6, 1988. Um, I couldn't find too much about her childhood growing up, but she grew up in Mexico and mm-hmm. she ended up serving an LDS mission in Mexico. 
Um, So she was a member of the LDS church and served a mission. After serving her mission, she believed that Utah was the greatest place and the safest place on earth um, because it's Zion, you know? Right. So in March 2015, at 27 years old, Elizabeth moved to Provo on a scholarship to begin learning English at Noman Global Language Center. Um, While she was going to school, she ended up getting a job at a local Mexican restaurant because her, you know, first language is Spanish. And so um, it was just easier that way for her to get a job that had kind of a mixture so she could get some, like, exposure to English speaking. Um, Mm -hmm. That's smart. Yeah. Like to find um, a job where you can practice, you know, like. Right. And have both. Um, yeah. So her future was looking really bright and exciting for her. She was in the place she wanted to be. Um, but about, I don't know, 18 days later, she was walking home from her class and she took the normal route. So the whole about three weeks that she had so- been in Utah so far, she had an apartment just down the street, maybe a mile and a half from her school. And she took the same route every single day. Um, So she was already in that habit. And on April 16th, 2015, after classes, she was walking the mile and a half, mile and a half to her apartment. Uh, She texted her sister, who still lived in Mexico, and she, just like she did every day on her walk, Um, back home she said finished class heading home and then she texted her uncle who lived in Orem and said uh may I get a ride to the store around five o'clock and um then her uncle responded but Elizabeth never responded back um and that would be the last communication anyone would ever have with Elizabeth um so Elizabeth is missing she's gone no one can find her um and where she had only been in utah for three weeks she has a very small uh, surrounding of people right yeah um lieutenant brandon post with the provo pd quickly launched a search for elizabeth using not only uh police officers but also volunteers and their initial investigation it showed that there was no activity on her phone after that text from uh her uncle and no activity on her bank records or her social media accounts um so she just was gone um volunteers and authorities searched the surrounding areas and elizabeth smart you know who had we'll cover Mm -hmm. her another day um elizabeth smart and her dad held a press conference and joined the search for elizabeth salgado um no clues, evidence, or even a body was found with all those searches. Um, Jeez, she when was literally this? What year? 2015. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, That's so scary when there's no trace and you know that there's, like, technology that should trace you. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Like, you just and, kind of depend on that. Yeah. Like, there's got to be cameras. There's got to be, like, you know, my phone will record where I'm going. But, like, if those yeah. two things aren't giving clues, then it's like, who the hell knows? And it was happened? in the middle of the day on a main road. Like, yeah. if someone... Like what? what, Like, if someone should have saw something, you know what I mean? Like, where did right. you go? And, like, there was no phone pings from towers. There was, like, 
Right. Nothing. Done. Zero things. Um, That's so scary. Yeah. So her family said Elizabeth felt like she was being watched uh, previously before she went missing. She felt like she was being watched on her way to school and she could never tell who it was. She never saw anyone, Mm -hmm. but she had a feeling she was being watched. I was going to ask that because she texted her sister and said, I'm headed home. I was like, I wonder if she had a feeling and that's why she checked in. Yeah. Yeah. And said like, okay, like this is my checkpoint. Like I'm, this is where I am. This is where I'm going. Mm-hmm. like checking in you know and i i bet if she would have made it home she would have sent another text saying kate i made it home yeah and and i feel like people like I, you might give more info but like when you hear about these like stalker situations or like people feel like they've been watched like or are being watched like it's just interesting hearing these cases where like they do have like this like instinct you know yeah to, and like, you have that instinct when someone's looking at you even isn't that weird i think it, yeah. instinct is so weird like scientifically yeah. i don't understand it but like right. it's weird where you can feel someone watching you mm-hmm. and and like the hair on the back of your neck stands up and you're like on alert it's so strange yeah. to me that well, that's it's like, like what's the science behind that you know? i know like it's freaking how weird. can i feel it uh <laughs> but like yeah, it is interesting. Like, you can you can tell when someone's watching you. And it is eerie that, like, for three weeks, she's like, something's weird. Like, I can feel mm-hmm. someone following me, right? Yeah. Um, Her uncle also mentioned that Elizabeth had told him at one point that there was a boy that, she, that was coming on strong to her. And she wasn't interested. He wanted to date her and was really, like interested in her and she was like kind of nervous and like she was a very shy and quiet personality um but and she wasn't interested in him but he kept like coming back you know um so and that was just kind of a point to like okay there is someone who was like making her uncomfortable the authorities Mm -hmm. did find that guy and they cleared him he had like an alibi and they don't believe he was a suspect so at this point they go to the person who she last had contact with which was her uncle um obviously her sister is in mexico so that's not even a possibility but her uncle Mm -hmm. is in orem and so he becomes a suspect and um he ended up taking a polygraph test and like he passed the polygraph test, which we know isn't, like, exact science, but he was also very involved in, like, searching for her, which that's kind of, that can be a red flag, too, but it's, like, mm-hmm. her, of course her uncle's going to help. Yeah, um, it'd be weird if he didn't. Yeah, know? it would be weirder if he didn't Then like, sometimes you'd say, like, uh, the suspect would be, like, closely involved in the investigation or trying to insert themselves, but... Mm-hmm. In this case, if the uncle didn't help, it would look bad. So it's like, right? which one would you go with, I guess? Mm-hmm. Um, but he ended up being cleared. So um, they really don't have any suspects at this point. Sister, or uh, Elizabeth's sister, who's in Mexico, she actually mm-hmm. got a scary phone call from an un- unknown man saying, quote, this is how you're going to find her dead without her head, her legs, her hands. And then he oh claims gosh. that he has Elizabeth and that he wants a million dollars for her to be returned to them. And, That's scary. Right? I, oh my gosh, so scary. And her sister immediately hit record on her phone and recorded the ransom call. 
And she responded saying, I don't want to play games. You don't know how many tears we've shed for my sister. So if you have her, I want to hear her voice. Um, Police were able to determine that this call was a hoax. Why people freaking do that is beyond me. And the person who made the call did not have Elizabeth. Um, I just don't understand the type of person that would call their family. Like the, the type of people who like do death threats to people that like yeah are on social media or the people who like tell them to go and kill themselves and the people who go and like do fake ass ransom calls like why yeah what does that do for you what good does that do i don't understand the reason anyone would ever do that i have no idea that is so heartbreaking Yeah. And, like, to think that her sister probably had, like, a glimmer of hope. Right. You know? Like, she's alive. She's here. Like, not here, but she's alive. Someone has her, and she's alive, and she's, And there's a chance. And we could save her with a million dollars. Like, and you know a family will do what they can to get that money. Right. You know? And then to to hear later, like, oh, it wasn't real. No, it was. (laughs) That's so heartbreaking. So, the police weren't sure what to do next, and the investigation dried up. They had no leads and no new information to go off of. Um, A few months after the case goes cold, and volunteers stopped showing up, and the Salgado family continued to hope for answers, but, I mean, what can they do if the police are like, oh, I mean, we'll let you know if we hear something, but... They, I mean, the police can only do so much, and then, like, the family can't do much other than continue to look and look and look. After three years go by, on May 18th, 2018, in Hobble Creek Canyon, a hiker stumbled upon skeletal remains. The remains were in a sleep-like position in a shallow grave, and the remains were identified as Elizabeth Salgado. Oh, my gosh. How long later? Uh, three years. Three years. Yeah. Yep. That's so sad. Do we know, like, her cause of death? No. It doesn't say the reason or the exact cause, like, what happened to her. Do we know, like, if she died? Like, do you know if she, like, was murdered right away or if it was, like... Right away. Hmm. Like, they believe that she was murdered when she was taken. Oh. Like, the same day, maybe not exact Mm -hmm. same time. Hmm. So, clearly, they didn't see, like, blunt force trauma or anything. So, because it was skeletal remains, they probably couldn't Uh, really tell if it was, like, it was bruising around the neck or anything like that for, like, strangulation or something. Or you wouldn't be able to look at the organs or anything like that. Right. And... Like, so that tells me there's no, like, blunt force trauma and no, like, gunshot wound, like, to the mm-hmm. bone, at least. Like, no damage yeah. to, like, in that way. So, we don't know. So, with more in- investigation, the coroner was able to confirm, at least, that Elizabeth fought off her attacker as two of her front teeth were missing. Oh, um, wow. But there's no specific cause of death that's been found so far. That's crazy. So they hired a private investigator, Jason Jensen, who we've heard of before. He's yeah. affiliated with the Cold Case Coalition in Utah. 
and he works on a lot of cold cases. But um, yeah. he did some investigating of the site where they found her body, and he went and found a penny at the crime scene, and he sent it in for DNA testing, and it came back positive for male DNA, though mm. the investigators have been optimistic that the evidence was going to give them more answers, but it hasn't come back with anything conclusive that helps the case at least. Not so hard with pennies. I mean, they've been in everybody's pockets. I know. You know? I know. They have so much DNA on them. It's like, okay, I don't know if that's even like worth yeah. exploring, but you never know. Like, I mean, what, I mean, what could it tell them? I don't know. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, any lead is a lead, right? Yeah. Um, But he also believed at one point that the last text sent that was sent to the sister who lived in Mexico may not have actually been from her. The text was translated from Spanish to English, but again, it said, finished class heading home. And the family doesn't believe that that was Elizabeth. It wasn't usually what she sounded like. Uh, or okay. like texted like she was a little bit more like affectionate and like uh like not so abrupt yeah not so abrupt like finished class heading home they would be more like this is how my day went type of thing like oh my gosh like this happened you know yeah. and different from the personality that they know and and the hard thing is as you don't only the family could really tell that or the sister who mm-hmm. like has talked to her every single day after school like knew that it was off right and it could have been her mood was off you know but that's true jason jensen built a small profile with the information that we know so far he believes that the killer speaks spanish uh is either caucasian or hispanic uh knew elizabeth and could have been infatuated with her And the killer could be within her small group of friends, either from church, school, in her apartment building, or at work. But she was a part of a young single adult ward, which we call YSA ward in Utah, and um, like a part of the church groups. And so she uh, started to get to know people from there. And Mm -hmm. a lot of return missionaries likely know Spanish, you know, could have had um, uh, the ability to speak with her fluently in Spanish would make her made her feel comfortable in that way. But maybe like if she turned them down, like something could have happened. You know, big That's egos so are dangerous, scary, <laughs> so, and sad. I know because you you hope that you can just trust the people that are around you. You know, right. you hope that there aren't complete psychopaths around you, even you if they know. have a crush on you. Right? You know, like yep. you just hope that they aren't gonna do something like that but like right like how how do you know how and and at what point are you being just too paranoid i know it's like i feel like you can never trust anybody but it's like you can't not trust anybody because then you exactly like a weirdo but so obviously the suspect list is smaller non-existent because they've already you know cleared some people um, mm-hmm. It's possible that someone picked her up while she was walking to her apartment and she got in freely, meaning she probably knew them, right? Whether it be through YSA, right. they offered her a ride. Yeah, because um, in broad daylight and there probably wasn't a struggle. I mean, there could right. have been. 
There and no one noticed. But, yeah. Yeah. But likely it was someone she knew and just said, hey, do you want to hop in? I'll give you a ride home. And yeah. And who knows? Yep. And and to which they could have just driven her to Hobble Creek against her will and attacked her. Um, right. So cold. It's a cold case um, almost eight years later now. And obviously the Salgado family is frustrated that Elizabeth's murder has not been found. Um, yeah. Like, as you can imagine, they're feeling like if she was a white blonde girl, she would have been like, it would have been all over the news. It would mm-hmm. have been um, like thousands and thousands of people searching. There, It would have been yeah. like all hands on deck situation. And they didn't get that same um like why why okay just thinking about the idaho murders right Mm -hmm. everybody knew about it everybody was checking their cameras Mm -hmm. for anything they weren't even told what to look for they just said look at your cameras and see if you tell if you see anything why can't that just be protocol when someone goes missing instantly say okay they went missing from this radius we think around this time if you have like there should be like a psa announcement like if you mm-hmm. have a camera, we want you to submit it to, like, this link or this whatever so that right. we can go through it. Like, you yeah. don't even have to go through it. Send it to us, though. Yeah. Because we, we need information. Like, why is that not happening? I think wow. that it's becoming more popular the more that people have those porch cameras or yeah. property cameras. I guess cameras. this was eight years ago. But... Yeah. It, I feel like it's way more popular within, <sighs> like, the last three years, three or whatever years. And, right. like it it's like a i don't know i kind of feel like it's like a neighborhood watch type thing where mm-hmm. why not just off or ask for well I'm, I'm sure they went and asked all they could but someone yeah. had to have seen something you know mm-hmm. um so a spokesperson for utah county sheriff's office says the case is still open and they occasionally get leads but nothing concrete um Jensen, private investigator, uh, eventually started to wonder if maybe it wasn't someone close to her at all, but a mm-hmm. crime of opportunity, which if they've cleared everyone that could have been around her, that's likely the the case. Um, he pointed mm-hmm. out that there was construction going on for new apartment buildings along the path that Elizabeth walked every day. Um and authorities even got a tip from someone on the construction site that they believe maybe their co-workers could have been involved in something like that. Um, oh. But no information on if the authorities looked into that lead or if anything came of it. An update on KSL News just three days ago. Jason Jensen yeah. had believed that there may be a... or there, Okay, so there was a young single adult LDS event that... Um, Elizabeth attended four days before she went missing mm-hmm. at um, the Kelly Groves Park at the base of Hobble Creek Canyon. And okay. apparently Elizabeth went to that activity, met some new people, and mm-hmm. made plans for another picnic trip after school one day uh, to go back there. And her body was found in Hobble Creek Canyon. So, um, they're wondering or assuming that this is a, is a break in the case where, uh, like the people who attended that young sequel adult ward 
activity eight years ago could Mm -hmm. um, have maybe pictures where um, maybe she's in the background talking to somebody and making plans. Um, Yeah. Or like someone had been a part of a conversation where she had plans with someone or something because they believed that it could be a possibility that she was going to go to that picnic after school with someone that she had just met at a young single adult activity and ended up being attacked. Mm-hmm. So she went like willingly. Like yeah. thinking that it was a picnic and then ends up maybe although wouldn't she hmm that's an idea because if well the thing is though is if she went willingly mm-hmm. wouldn't she have texted her sister and said hey I'm actually gonna go to a picnic yeah you'd think so unless maybe he took her phone like picked her up she's in the car or maybe she picked he picked her up on like at the school before mm-hmm. she even started the walk so yeah. maybe he picked her up at the school and then in the car overpowered her grabbed her phone and then made it seem like she was doing her normal thing uh like headed home and then you know tried to make it seem like it was her or maybe he said tell so or uh, she maybe she said i'm texting my sister and i'm gonna tell her what's happening or something and they i mean it's possible possible. that she she could have been forced to send a text um or that they did it right but i I, i'm i'm with you i would have assumed she would have been like oh my gosh i'm going on a date you know yeah yeah um because that would be exciting for her, you know, like right, she's going right. on a date with like a cute guy or whatever, and she's getting in with some friends or maybe but, just, a, yeah. You know, it, that does sound like it could be a, a big break because like, what if somebody who was there didn't even think about like the fact that there was an event in the same like sort of location as where she was found? Right. So that makes me think probably what Jesse is, is Jesse, right? Jesse Jensen. Jason Jason. Jason. Mm-hmm. Jason Jensen. Um, I wonder if like his line of thinking is like, okay, well, like, why did they choose that location? Mm-hmm. It must have been a place that they go to often or have been to recently. Right. So that's probably why he's thinking like the murderer could have easily been at that event. Right. And like, like, I know you've probably already said this, I'm just rewording it. I guess yeah. now that it's all clicking in my head, but it's like yeah. Like that's so that is that sounds like a big break. And I, so, okay, so what day would that have been? April is four days. April twelfth, two thousand fifteen. Young single adult activity at the base of Pobble Creek Canyon called uh, the park was called Kelly Groves Park at the base of Pobble Creek Canyon. It was a picnic activity. April twelfth, two thousand fifteen. Mm-hmm. Anyone who may be possibly listening, if you were in the area and went to this activity and you noticed Elizabeth trying to mix in with some people, um, maybe you have pictures, they take pictures of those things, look through them, um, just there has to be yes, something. you never know. You never yeah. know. Like the background of pictures has a lot of information. So just mm-hmm. look. 
Um, if you know someone who could have been in that area at the time going to that ward activity, reach out to them and ask them and see if they know. Poor, her poor mom. <laughs> like, I just, I feel so bad. You can just see the grief on her face, mm. as you can imagine. But uh, her mom has reached out to the Facebook group of that young single adult uh, ward in Provo and asked for support in finding who may have done this to Elizabeth. Um, uh, they, I, mean, I don't know if they've gotten any hits. It's, it was only a few days ago, but mm-hmm. someone must have seen something. Um, even if you don't think you saw something, just meditate. <laughs> Like right. try to think of Take anything, back. or like if you know, like a group of your friends went. Maybe you guys can like talk to each other, and sometimes memories can like re-surface. Mm. Um, the Salgado family deserves closure. Um, so if you know anything, heard of anything that might be helpful to the case to find the killer of. Elizabeth, you can contact the Provo Police Department or you can contact their private investigator, Jason Jensen, at 801-596-2455. If you want to remain anonymous or keep it confidential, I mean, any information given to Jason Jensen is confidential, um, but you can submit a form on his website with any tips or information you might have at jensenprivateinvestigations.com slash contact. He has a form you can fill out there. Also has his phone number there you can call. Um, there's got to there's gotta be awesome. something. This poor girl was only in the U.S. for freaking 18 days and she was murdered right. in cold blood. And she was so excited. Like, I feel so bad because she's, like, this sweet, young, like, girl. I mean, she's 27, but she had so much life left. And Mm. she was just excited to be with the people she connected with over, you know, religion and -hmm. and similar beliefs. And and, um, she just wanted to be a part of it. And she was murdered within 18 days. She, like she had so much ambition. Days. Yes. She had so she much was, ambition and like she was studying to be enthusiasm. an enthusiasm. Like she right. she was smart and she was like excited to learn English and she had served in Mexico and loved her family and you know the, all the things that you're just like there was no why 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 it's like it yeah. makes me so sad. Um but anyway, anyway, every case is solvable. Yes, Somebody there's knows an something. answer. There's an answer And whoever to did it, it, they probably blabbed. They probably did, right? They probably told someone. They had to have. Everyone slips. Yeah. It happens. No, they will no slip. No murderer is perfect. Right. So, like. And it's likely that mm-hmm. they'll do it again. So, the guy that came onto her strong that, that they cleared, was they he part of that him. group? Um, I don't you know. know. It, it's weird because it, there's not a whole lot of information. I feel like Jason Jensen has more more information. I, I would love to know if he had a podcast or something about these cold cases. But yeah, so let's just re-say it. April 12th, 2015, at the base of Cobble Creek Canyon, Kelly Groves Park. Pictures. 
Young Single Adult Award. We need them. Not me. Jason Jensen needs them. <laughs> yeah. So, eight years since then. Okay, so, like, the people who were at this event, right, if they're young mm-hmm. single adults, likely they were in their early 20s, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, the likelihood is that they're almost, they're our age, basically. They're, mm-hmm. they're our age right now. Uh, yeah. And most of our li- listeners are in our age group. Mm-hmm. But the likelihood like 40% of them- of you. <laughs> likelihood of them being freaking Mormon and listening to us is very slim. <laughs> but, especially after last episode. But yeah. but maybe our our listeners have friends <laughs> who are in that crowd. So Yeah, maybe. Please. Or siblings. I I think that with Jason's latest tip, I think that yeah. that that's, That's going to open up a door, I think. I think so, especially if people in that and we'll we'll like put something on our story or something so that you can share it um mm-hmm. like share far and wide so that we can maybe get some answers from those who were at that activity cuz I think that's going to be a big big piece. Yep. So I think so too. Anyways, Dang. that's my story. That's a good one. I mean short kind of but also important, you know. Yeah. The cold cases yeah, often are looked over for the bigger solved cases, you know, because right. everyone wants it tied up in a bow and done and, you know, like, mm-hmm. but there's so many cases that don't have any freaking answers and it's heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. <sighs> there's so many things I would, I hope that if there are other lives, I hope that in one of them, I'm in law enforcement. And in another one, I hope I'm a therapist. And in another one. <laughs> but for this law life, enforcement and then therapy. <laughs> yeah. But in this life, I'm just going to go ahead and be a lazy ass podcaster. <laughs> uh, it's, it's the good life. It's okay. Fine. Here's the thing. Really quick. Okay. We only have 10 minutes. So like one for five seconds i want to talk to you about like it is do you want to guess how much it is for a year subscription to pro so we don't have to keep starting new things 199 no uh it is 150 for a year for a year sorry every 30 minutes we have to start a new (laughs) meeting but like nobody knows right but like no one knows that we have to start this takes us like two hours three hours sometimes five hours in most days <laughs> yeah uh, uh so you know, it's just part of it though <laughs> you're like listen we have been fine doing it the way that we're doing it because we don't want to spend the money do you want to know i bet you anything we would save 30 minutes <laughs> Yeah, at least if we just had at our meetings run straight through. Eh. Right. Nah. I'm happy with our misery. <laughs> so. Okay. All right. Let's hear your story. Okay. So, this one I feel like is going to make us want to plan a wedding all over again. I'm covering one of the most haunted wedding venues in the United States. Wedding venue that's haunted. 
I'm covering the Nikun Mansion. I've never, I don't know what that or is. Nikun. Well, how do well, you spell it? It's located, oh, it's uh, M C C U N E. McCune, I guess. McCune, yeah. It's located at 200 North Main Street in Salt Lake City, Utah. The mansion is within one of Salt Lake City's oldest neighborhoods called the Marmalade District, which sits right on Capitol Hill in Salt Lake City. And fancy. So if you're familiar with the downtown area, you're probably, you probably have a really good idea of where this is. I think it's just north of um, Temple Square. So towards the late 1800s, many of the elite in Utah built their homes along South Temple. Mm -hmm. And Alfred and Elizabeth McCune were amongst these elites, and they also lived on South Temple. Alfred McCune uh, was one of Utah's first millionaires, and he worked as a railroad tycoon, which is just somebody who oversees the construction of a railroad. Okay. Um. But let me just tell you a little bit more about who Alfred is, like his background and how he got to Utah. So Alfred was born June 11th, 1849 at Fort William in Calcutta, India. His father, Matthew McCune, was stationed there with his wife, Sarah, and they were members of the Plymouth Brethren Christian Church before they were converted to Mormonism while Matthew was still stationed in India. In 1854, Matthew was then posted to Burma where he spent his uh, spare time working as a Mormon missionary and then eventually quit the British Army so that he could join Brigham Young and the Mormon pioneers into the New World. Mm. Um, The family left for New York, and after traveling for three months, they arrived on March 3rd of 1857. Um, This is really cute. When they arrived in New York, the family was their very first time ever seeing snow because it was March. And, um, and Alfred, Mm -hmm. um, he, he was quoted at only seven years old. He said, I had never seen snow before. I took it for salt while my brother Ed thought it was sugar. (laughs) Which I thought was cute. cute. I'm like, (laughs) I wonder how it would be like, you know, back then. Cause it's not like they saw like pictures of snow or anything. So to see it like coming out of the sky is like, what is this? Like, what is interesting? Yeah. It's so funny. I love um, that. They stayed in New York for a few months before beginning their journey by wagon across the country. When they finally made it to Utah, they settled in Nephi. And as a kid, Alfred found work on different farms around town. He helped with herding the sheep and raising the stock um, or and raising stock. Then when he was 19, he started working for the Union Pacific Railroad. Hmm. At 21, he became really good at what he was doing in the railroad business. So he began climbing that ladder of success. And then later on, he also owned and managed a 6,000 acre horse and cattle ranch, as well as owned and managed a general store in Milford County or Milford City. That's cool. Yeah. So by now, Alfred had success and wealth on his side. So he was able to to network with other well-known millionaires and of the era so he was good friends with jp morgan um who is an investor specifically in the railroad industry mm-hmm. and he was also friends with william randolph hearst who was the biggest media and newspaper business who owned the biggest media and newspaper business in the country that's cool um 
Alfred ended up marrying his childhood sweetheart, Elizabeth, in 1872. Hmm. And the story goes that they were on a trip when they spotted a mansion, spotted the mansion of John H. Matthews, who happened to be the inventor of soda water. Um, so in his mansion was in New York City. And when they saw his mansion, they immediately got inspired. They're like, we need this. Like, we want our house to be just like this. Yeah. Um, which, by the way, I have a picture. Let me send. I want to send you yeah, of, like, of his home and then of the McCune mansion. Just so you can okay. see, like, the inspiration and what it ended up being. So I was like, wow, this is kind of cool. Oh, that is pretty. That looks like the. Oh, I love that. That is John H. Matthews. That's his home in That's New York City New York that they one. drove by. Yep. Okay. So that's the one that they drove by and they're like, oh my gosh, we want that house. So this is what it ended up being. Whoa. It's almost exactly. I know, right? Wow. Ooh. I feel like, you know, the little like things that are on the like the little lips. Uh-huh. Um, those kind of remind me of like um Asian home roofs yeah which i'll get there um it actually is inspired by a little bit of asian architecture so they looked at his house and they said we we want our our future home to be just like that yeah and they're millionaires at the time right so they're like we can you know put on the tap (laughs) (laughs) um so they wanted their home to stand out and to be like to be something like no one has ever seen Mm-hmm. They wanted to just wow people. Elizabeth chose and hired a prominent architect who, fun fact, graduated from the University of Utah, named nice. Samuel Cleeton Dallas, and paid him to travel around Europe and the Americas for two years to study different styles and techniques. I know. So they, they, hold on. So they paid for yeah. this guy to go and travel and look at different architecture just for it to be a literal copy of the one they wanted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they did. That is freaking stupid. <laughs> You're like I'm glad you pointed that out. But yeah. Just go see what is out there. <laughs> After two years, they're like, but we want this. Oh, All right. funny. So she told him that she wanted a home that was elegant and fit for personal and professional use. Um, After his traveling, he came back to the McCunes with a design that fused two styles together, Gothic revival and East Asian architecture. Mm. It's like Gothic, Asian Gothic. Hmm. It's kind of cool, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so when they built the home, they spared no expense at all, like at all. Construction began in 1898, and by the time it was done in 1901, they had spent at least $1 million in materials, which, in conversion, do you want to guess how many millions of dollars that would be today? Ten. More. Million. Uh, 20 million. More. (sighs) What? 50 million. Let me just tell you this. The cost would be equivalent to Elton John's mansion right now in Beverly Hills. Oh, billions. <laughs> Not really. Oh, 33 million. 33 million. What Crazy, huh? 
How does one million and the eighteen whatevers? It was finished in nineteen oh one. Nine oh nineteen oh one. Yeah. Who has one million dollars in nineteen? <laughs> Railroad people, dude. <laughs> Shit. Why didn't yeah. we go into that? Is it still people? Are people rich? In Is it too late? <laughs> yeah. Can we can we join the railroad? <laughs> can we start from the bottom up? <laughs> what do I do? <laughs> Not us desperate for money. <laughs> We're like hundred and fifty dollars <laughs> to make our lives like so much easier. I guess. <laughs> We don't even have $150. We cannot relate to this story <laughs> whatsoever. Oh, uh, yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so after it was built, it was quickly deemed one of the most expensive and extravagant homes built in Utah. Wow. The ground floor and the third floor, uh, those are mainly used for entertaining guests and holding meetings. So I assume that the second floor is where all the bedrooms were. Why would they? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Um, but when walking through the door, you enter a, f- a foyer. And foyer. I feel like I have to say it like that. Because if I say foyer. <laughs> it sounds so poor. <laughs> it, sounds like, yeah, it sounds like the class mm-hmm. that we actually belong in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's mansion talk <laughs> <laughs> have you even been in a mansion <laughs> no when okay. walking through the door you enter into the foyer foyer mm-hmm. <laughs> um the entry room one, the yeah the entry room thank you april that's better uh on one side it led to it led you into a large sitting room that was decorated in light colors and had floor to ceiling windows it sounds to me like, remember how we had a formal room? It sounds like yeah. a formal room. Like, where you would, like, have, like, your neighbors come over and talk to you about, like, the pie they made or something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't talk to my neighbors. So, <laughs> I don't know what you talk to it's them like, about. <laughs> it's, like, not... <laughs> Tell me about... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Okay. On the other side of the foyer, I'm probably saying that wrong. Just say entry room, because... Entry room. Okay, on the other side of the entry room, it led you into what was you what used to be used as a smoking room, which mm. I think is interesting because they're LDS, but then again, they were business people, so like they probably just had to accommodate for everybody. But I bet they stretched the rules because they were rich. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but it led you into this smoking room and it was decorated with darker colors and it had a fireplace on one side of the room and then a fancy stained glass window on the other side of the room. Um, if you didn't go into either of those rooms, but you just kept walking forward, you would go into what's called the main hall, which puts any open floor concept to shame because it's, it's just like, like a big super ballroom thing. Not a ballroom, it's just like very immaculate and like very like just fancy. Okay. Because they do have a ballroom. And oh. Yeah. Um, 
In the main hall, there's another fireplace, which happens to be made out of marble. And across from that fireplace is what they call the grand stairway that leads upstairs. Mm-hmm. And halfway up the stairs is a balcony that you can stand on to look over the room below you. Wow. And they had expensive materials shipped from all over the world. So not only is like the design and architecture on the outside and inside very like intricate and fancy, but even just the materials that they used were very high end. Mm. Um, materials like high quality wood, a Nubian marble that was used for the fireplaces, an Irish marble that was used for their other furnishings around the mansion. They used onyx that was mined here in Utah. They used silk for the drapes and French tapestries on the walls. They used mahogany shipped from South Africa and the Caribbean, 400-year-old oak, as well as like oak on like the staircases and stuff, mm-hmm. as well as... Um, as well as parts of the interior walls were decorated with Russian leather. Why would they even you had a, a wall of leather. I don't know. And it makes me think of like, you know how there's carpet on the walls in church? Mm-hmm. I wonder if they had like leather. Like just so like, it had like a different texture. So you're like, this is fancy carpet walls. Yeah. I have to like rub it with oil every once <laughs> in a while. Gross. Yeah. Um, oh, they even had a large mirror shipped to them from Germany that they ended up having to put in the bar or that they ended up putting in the ballroom. And the mirror was so large that they had to build a special railroad car that could just hold the mirror to make sure it gets shipped in one piece. Wow. Crazy hard. That is insane. And with his connections with the railroad companies and stuff, like he was able to make that happen. It's just crazy right. that they did. Right. Um, also the material they used for the exterior of the house was made of native Utah sandstone and the roof has tiles that were made, made in the Netherlands. Jeez. Uh, the like house came from all around the world. My goodness. Yeah. So I wonder if that's what the architect really did is just go collect different materials, like not just get inspired, but not like the architecture, like of the look of it but like the material to be mm-hmm. the best of the best material yeah i could see that i'm like yeah i think that's what probably more what happened two years <laughs> yeah <laughs> right <laughs> um so the ballroom is said to be the most impressive room inside the mansion which let me send you pictures of that real quick whoa that's the ballroom yeah Fancy as shit. My goodness. Uh, The walls are lined with large golden mirrors to make the place feel more open and spacious. Mm -hmm. Uh, Apparently, from what I read, from what I read, it took several months for the ballroom to be designed and for all to come together to be exactly how the McCunes wanted it. So you can see that it is a little bit more unique, like how there's that like center column and then the seats Mm -hmm. around it. Yeah. Um, yeah, every detail is exactly the way they wanted it. So I think that's interesting. Wow. Uh, the room is very intricate and elegant, and it certainly shows that the McCunes were not modest with their wealth. The ceiling was even painted by a well-known artist from New York named James W. Finn. Um, there's a stairway in the ballroom, which this is kind of a cool detail. There's a stairway in the ballroom that uh, has like a secret 
like room under the stairs and Mm -hmm. they call that the musician's well and that's a room where the musicians could play but nobody could see them and how it's designed is that when they're playing music inside that little room it echoes all throughout the house so that you can hear the music from all over and I read and this might be a rumor, so I don't know how true this is, but I read that there are secret passageways throughout the house. So I don't know. Wow. But I wonder if that's like how they made the sound travel is by putting those yeah. little passageways and stuff through it. Yeah, I wonder. That's crazy. So today, the ballroom is where most wedding ceremonies happen. Um, but back in the day, it was used by the McCunes for elegant parties and meetings. Um, even though the mansion has had several owners throughout this the last century, it really hasn't changed much from its original construction. Really? Yeah. Uh, the McCune family lived in the mansion for 20 years. And when the children were all grown, Alfred and Elizabeth, they decided they wanted to downsize and move to Los Angeles. So they did in 1920. Hmm. Um, instead of selling the mansion, they decided they wanted to donate it. To the LDS church and Alfred even thought that it would serve as a really good home for the church or th- yeah for the church president who at the time was Heber J. Grant hmm. um, but instead <laughs> of Grant living there after it was donated he Grant decided to establish the McCune School of Music and Art which took over the mansion until 1972 hmm. which I thought was kind of funny that like he was gifted literally gifted an entire mansion and said nah it's like did he have a better one and like what like what a slap in the face for like if you were like donate your you're like i want you to live here and i mean i guess you can't make someone live in your house yeah oh i just want to see if i'm curious what his house looks like and is it heber j grant or herber heber okay that's what i thought uh, the article that I read that in, it said Herber, and I changed it to Heber, because I'm like, I'm pretty sure it's Heber. And then I never looked it up. The house he lived in was pretty small. Huh. Maybe he was just, like, modest and was like, no. Yeah, maybe. Maybe he didn't want to work. He didn't want to live too close to work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Okay, so Grant, he established the McCune School of Music and Art, which took over the mansion until 1972. Other dance groups used the building for private rehearsals, as well as occasional performances in the ballroom. Then the LDS Church sold the mansion to a community group who had planned to turn the place into a cultural center, but that, for whatever reason, never happened. And I couldn't figure out what that reason was. Hmm. Um, But the mansion was pretty much vacant until a tornado ripped through the city on August 11th of 1999, which you don't hear about tornadoes in Utah. Not very often, no. It was kind of weird. But the tornado caused damage to the exterior of the building, and that worried a lot of people who wanted to see the building preserved. So that year, a businessman named Philip McCarthy purchased the mansion as well as renovated it to bring back its original look. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know over time as being like a dance recital place like it might not have the same like feel to it yeah so he fixed it up made it you know back to its original form um and now it's listed on the national register of historic places oh cool 
Um, and with the updates from the renovation, the mansion has become a really popular wedding venue, um, also a really popular place for retreats and various business events. Uh, the McEwen Mansion has bragging rights from several testimonies that the venue is the most spectacular and memorable wedding venue. It's really pretty. It really I'd love pretty. to see people's weddings there. Like, what does it look like? How do they decorate it? Or do they yeah. leave it as is? Right. Because honestly, it doesn't even need to be decorated. It's right. so pretty. Yeah. A uh, fun fact. In 2013, the Brides Magazine put the McCune Mansion on their list of the top 50 most romantic wedding venues. Uh, there have been some deaths at the mansion, although it's hard to say how many because a lot of the articles that I read said that there has been no deaths in the mansion. Hmm. But I did stumble across somebody on the Utah Haunted History Facebook page. Uh, someone had commented on a post about the mansion and they said that... Um, this person's name is Heather C. And she said that her great-great-grandfather was a, ter- a caretaker for the mansion. And he had died there at the age of 72 back in 1956. And she even posted like a clipping of the newspaper article. Mm. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Okay, so the ghosts. The McCune Mansion is, like I said before, is known as one of the most haunted wedding venues in the United States. Mainly because the ghosts don't, the ghosts that are there, they don't mind to make themselves known. Like they mm. like to make themselves known. So they're very playful. Oh. And um, a lot of people have experiences there. That's cool. That makes, I feel like, ghost hunting more fun when they're not like yeah hiding. And yeah. Right. And I was reading that, like, I don't remember which article or where I saw it, but they, like, someone said that, um, What's interesting or like fun about the ghosts that are there is that they don't seem to mind about who who is there or what's mm-hmm. happening. Like they'll show up whenever. So like they've shown up during weddings. They've shown up like during meetings. They've shown That's up just cool. like people, you know, cleaning, you know, at yeah. night or people like just driving by. Like it doesn't matter what's going on. They will show up on their time. That's cool. So, Yeah. So it sounds like it would be a really fun place to investigate, but they actually don't allow investigations, unfortunately. So there is a story I found on the uh, Utah Haunted History Facebook page, and it was a comment that somebody wrote. And this person, their name is Justin P. And I'm just going to read exactly what he wrote because I was going to put it in my own words, but I'm like, it's just better if I read exactly what he wrote. So he says. One of the owners in the late 90s in the late 90s lost a lot of good employees who would work late at night, but then they would just leave without completing their work and never came back. It was being run as a wedding and banquet hall, but one night he was working late with his wife on the accounting. His wife went into the other room and room and they continued their conversation about the accounting issue they were having. Mm-hmm. They resolved it. And about 20 minutes later, she came back in the room. He mentioned to her that he mentioned to her that he was finished and she asked about the issue. And he told her, well, we just resolved it when you were in the other room. She told him she has been upstairs the entire time. So he was talking to a ghost. And oh that's gosh. the story I heard from the owner. Wow. Isn't that crazy? That's cool. You're like, thanks. 
thankfully we have a great mathematician for a ghost right yeah right (laughs) exactly like what a problem solver (laughs) i know and they come do my taxes yeah or just like wouldn't it be nice to have a ghost just to like vent to (laughs) you know (laughs) like just shut up and listen (laughs) yeah like vent and then all of a sudden you hear like a wow that must be really hard for you (laughs) every (laughs) once in a while like that'd be nice oh should we tell them about our invention that we came up with yeah should we just save that for the patreon people i say we save that for like (laughs) i don't know i don't don't care well people are gonna care because it's a great idea it is a great idea but someone's gonna steal it Uh, okay we're not gonna tell you we're not telling you we're gonna be on shark tank (laughs) just watch (laughs) but we just gotta find someone to actually make it Mm. (laughs) we need some smart people we have an idea we just need people to like complete it so yeah but we're not telling you because you're gonna steal it because you're probably smarter than us (laughs) more than likely (laughs) anyway (laughs) right i swear our listeners are probably like these idiots (laughs) yeah they're like just shut up and tell us the story okay uh where was i uh where was i so a lot of people they claim to see the spirit of a young girl and she's seen all over the house and she seems to be like the most common ghost okay i would say hold on she likes to move objects around uh and she likes to make it obvious that she's been there and that she likes to make things really inconvenient for you like that's like her fun thing it's like i'm gonna move punk oh my gosh yeah like she seems like she's just having the most fun yeah um there was this one there's this one story that i read where this bride was getting ready for her wedding and you know she's at this desk thing like putting her makeup on and she put her veil right next to her Mm -hmm. she's putting her makeup on and then she glances over and it's gone and she's like, where the hell did my bell go? And everybody's looking. No one knows where it went. And finally, they found it in a coat closet on the other side of the mansion. What? <laughs> so they they chalked that up to being the, the girl, little girl. Except how did no one see a veil just floating around? <laughs> That's what I always want to know is like, you hear the stories about these objects moving. It's like somebody somebody must have seen that like in harry potter like when the cake is floating over like towards like the ant or whatever yeah or all the effing candles in the sky (laughs) yeah or that (laughs) (laughs) like that's just the one thing (laughs) like the one thing that comes to mind that floats in harry potter is the birthday (laughs) or the cake (laughs) literally every effing thing floats in harry potter (laughs) right (laughs) everyone's just floating around (laughs) (laughs) right anyway okay let me get back to this story some people say that they've seen this little girl standing Mm -hmm. in the background of their wedding photos and most of the time when she's seen she's seen looking away from the camera which is interesting oh that is weird Mm -hmm. is there evidence oh i don't have any of her well I do have one picture I'm going to show you at the very end. Okay. Um, but we don't know. I don't know. It's just something I found. It's the only apparition picture that I found that I'm like, eh. Well, don't you think if people have there them in her wedding photos, then you actually could see it in their wedding photos? 
Yeah. If they'd share. Because who wouldn't? But you know what? I This is the only story I didn't make a post, my own post, on the Utah Haunted History Facebook page. Because I was going to do a different story. And I put a post out there and I let it like, you know, stew for a week and nobody really hadn't had any info. So I was like, okay, last minute switch. So then I would switch to this and I was like, well, there's not really enough time to post because I'm going to get answers after if we've already recorded. So you could always post and just say, hey, does anyone have wedding photos from this place? I've heard that there are some with like a uh, oh. Maybe on the Utah Photographers Group. Oh, okay. Do that. Okay. Do both. And then see if we get something by the time we post. Okay. Because, yeah, like, out of all the weddings that have been there, there has to be something, right? Right. Because I only only heard it talked about and I didn't actually see anything. You could always even see if any photographers have experienced something. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll follow up. Okay. A follow-up. Okay, so also there's a story about a time when the ghost of a little girl walked out of a mirror in the ballroom. Holy shit, I freaking lose it. That's so scary. So this story I found, let me show you the book. The story I found in this book that I bought at Walgreens uh-huh, like I've a seen year it. ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I bought it like a year ago and it has a bunch, it's called Haunted Salt Lake City, and it's written by Laurie Allen, Cassie Ashton, Kristen Clay, and Nanette Nanette Watts. That's what it looks awesome. like. Awesome. You That's can see cool. it. I like it. Um, it's very storytelling y. So if you like it to be more like, and then she said this, and then they looked at each other and said that. That's oh. how that book goes. So it's not mm. really more, it's not really informative. It's more like ghost stories. Oh, okay. In Salt Lake City. Yeah. So this is a story that I pulled out of that book. Okay. So. Mm-hmm. Let's see. So our main character here is Rebecca. And okay. she was hired by, and she's a wedding planner. She was hired by an engaged couple to do their wedding and everything. And they wanted the McCune Mansion to be their venue. So. Rebecca made an appointment with the mansion's event coordinator to come to the venue on a day where a wedding would be held so that she can get a good look at what it looks like in the full getup. Yeah. Yeah. Which I'm like, smart. Yeah. Such a smart idea. Um, Rebecca shows up to the venue and it's being prepped for the wedding and the event coordinator gives her a tour. During the tour, they suddenly heard a, they suddenly heard someone scream from the ballroom event coordinator and Rebecca make their way toward the screen to see what's going on when they bumped into one of the mansion employees. She led them into the, um, oh, it wasn't the ballroom. It was the drawing room. Oh, okay. Which, is it the ballroom? I'm not maybe sure. Maybe it's that one with the big windows. Oh, maybe. Anyway, led her into that room where there's a large mirror. Okay. The employees said that she went into this room to get it ready for the wedding when she caught something on the corner of her eye, when she looked over, she saw a young girl in a white flowy dress walk out of the mirror and then disappear. Oh my gosh. In that same room, there's a large painting of young ballerinas in white dresses. And the employees swore up and down that who she saw walk out of that mirror was a little girl in that painting. 
what I remember it used to be a dance studio and stuff so it's likely that maybe somebody who just was like I don't know like their spirit just stays there for some reason isn't that crazy that is crazy yeah oh my gosh that is so scary um there's another spirit in the mansion that many believe is the original owner himself, Alfred McCune. He is typically seen walking around the second story of the mansion near the grand staircase. Um, He's best known for flickering the lights on and off, especially during Christmas time. Hmm. But I was also thinking like, maybe that's just old wires, you know, like not (laughs) being able to handle all the electricity at once, like might just surge every once in a while. (laughs) Right. So that's just what I, yeah, that's what I would think (laughs) if I was like on ghost hunters. I would assume the same. Yeah. But who knows? Yeah. I don't know. Um, Seeing the flickering lights uh, is something that you might experience just by driving by. I read that some people have experienced that when they had driven by late at night and they have seen the lights from inside turning on and off on their own when there's no cars in the parking lot. Like it's completely wow. empty. Um, people, have said that, people have said that the doors will lock and unlock on their own. And remember when I mentioned the musician's well? Yeah. Like that little like secret room? Yeah. Um, many claim that Sometimes out of nowhere, you can hear classical music being like echoing through the halls when no one is playing music. See, I think that's cool. Like mm-hmm. that. I don't think that would scare me. It depends. I don't know why. If it's like but... Phantom of the Opera kind of music. That oh, might yeah. But like, like an if organ. It was just, like, yeah, I don't know. I guess I could see that. Depends on the instrument. Depends on the song. But. I, I feel, feel like, like a that... saxophone would be kind of scary. <laughs> <laughs> the accordion. <laughs> Not kinda... the, the accordion. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I thought we were just naming <laughs> No, I know what you said. That's terrifying. <laughs> that would be the scariest instrument. I would say I the think piano. singing would be horrible. <gasps> yeah. Any kind of singing too. It doesn't <laughs> even matter. Ah! Or whistling. <laughs> whistling is scary too. Yeah, whistling would be scary. So much. Right, <laughs> okay, almost sorry. done. Okay. okay. So uh yeah. Now <laughs> where am I? Okay. I read a story. I read a story where someone was standing on the front porch when they felt something pounding on the floor under their feet, like from up under their feet. And they said that when it was happening, they didn't hear anything. They only felt it. So like, that's kind of freaking scary and it's concrete, right? So how it's I'm pretty like- sure. Yeah. Well, and especially not hearing it, but feeling it like that's yeah. creepy. Cause it's like, you would, you would hear it. Yeah, you know? would. Um, that's weird. And lastly, on the Utah Haunted History Facebook page, I found a picture that someone named Michael, or no, not Michael, Michelle H. shared 
And so that they took it while they were at the mansion. And they say that it appears that it appears that a little girl is seen looking through the window. So I'm okay. going to show, I'm just going to send you, actually, let me, let me screen share because I don't know if I can share it. So these are just screenshots of uh, what it was. So this is the person they said, I found the picture and this is what it is. Then you're like, okay, I don't see anything. Right. Yeah. Can you see anything? That's the original picture. I can kind of. With this oh, one right yeah, here. yeah, I can I can see something, but I can't make out what it is. Out, like it's off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then they lightened it because someone's like, "I see curtains." <laughs> <laughs> what do you think now? I did some editing and brightened it up. For that looks see, like, like a face. Yeah, look, <laughs> it looks like a pirate from Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, it kind of does. Like the like that's a hat. That yeah, yeah. That's what it looked like. But anyway, th- this is. And they said it looked like a little girl. Is that what they said? That's what they said. Huh. I don't see a little girl. I see a pirate. But maybe that's just those <laughs> things where it's just like what you interpret. You know. Right. Right. That's yeah. crazy. But there is a person figure there, though, for sure. Yeah, that's cool. Anyway, that's that's it. <laughs> the end. So, I like it. That yeah. was a good one. I would. That's a fun I, one, huh? I do think that 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 mansion's like really pretty, but almost too mm-hmm. gaudy for me. Like, yeah, for a wedding, like way too elaborate for yeah. my style. Like it's very showy, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, but cool. But you know, if that's your if that's your style, though, then it's perfect. Like, yeah. And there's, I like, would love to just see. I would love to just be a guest for a wedding. You know, yeah, and just, and just see, see how they like. how they like they. You wouldn't need to do anything because it's already so extravagant. Pretty. You know, mm-hmm. that's really cool. That's awesome. Yeah, but. It kind of so, sucks they don't allow, like, like, is it still owned by the LDS Church? No, it's owned by the historical. McCarthy. Oh, McCarthy. Uh, hold on. Let me go it's back a historical remember. landmark, though, right? Yes, because he did the renovations. And since then, it, um, it's been on the National Register of Historic Places. Oh, Philip right, okay. McCarthy. Philip McCarthy. Okay. <coughs> He's a so, local businessman. Well, that's too bad. He's probably pretty traditional and is like, ghosts are stupid, but. Yeah, probably. <laughs> or he probably just doesn't want people like trying to break in. Like messing and around with it. it. Yeah. Cause uh, especially because with- it's a very yeah. expensive place. So mm-hmm. you wouldn't want right. just any old hooligans in there. Right. Yeah, maybe I could like email the email the owners or whoever and be like, can you guys send pictures if anybody has sent them to you? Can you send them yeah. to me? Because I, I wonder if they have gotten pictures like of people saying, hey, look what we found. Yeah, and we could always do an addendum like in another episode mm-hmm. and be like, we got this new information. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. do you think we could do an outro in two minutes? Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. thanks for listening. <laughs>
<laughs> yeah. Thanks for listening to episode 37. Um, sorry that episode 36 was so bad, but episode 37 was better, right? Right? Right. Right. You know, I don't think that it was that bad. I had so much anxiety about it after, but we don't, we only had two minutes. <laughs> I just, <laughs> so shut up. <laughs> you know, if we have listeners who are listening to this outro right now, if you haven't skipped the outro, can you just tell us, just, just tell us, send us a message on Instagram and say, bad episode <laughs> thumbs up or thumbs down yeah like, that's all we at? need just say 36 <laughs> equals thumbs up or 36 equals thumbs down that's survey. what we need we need a survey of episode 36 and only for those who have listened to this episode <laughs> we're not gonna make a story on instagram about it we just need you listening right now to just send us a message right now as you're listening 36 equals and 36 is the last episode, not this episode. We don't care if you like this episode. <laughs> oh my gosh, you just took up like half our time. Uh, okay. You okay. guys can't see it, but we have a timer that's like counting down until this meeting ends. <laughs> <laughs> because we're too poor okay. to pay for One minute. Zoom Pro. <laughs> right. Okay. Thanks for listening and come back wait, next wait. time. Oh, hold on. Join our Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash hot and cold. Follow us on social media, uh, Instagram, TikTok, all those. And okay, <laughs> bye. Bye. <laughs> wow. See, look, we have time to spare. <laughs> Just vacationing in this extra time. <laughs> It feels so nice and breezy. It's a long minute, though. Holy shit. They really they really are stretching it. Yeah. They're like, five, four, four. three. <laughs>